to see you all this morning. I'm excited to share with you some of the things that God has done in my life since I came here to Timberlake specifically. As I share, I pray that you see the mighty, gentle, and loving hand of God directing the life of the simple sheep. And as you see him, I pray it leads you to rejoice in our great God. So I'm going to give a quick background, but most of what I'm going to focus on today is just life at Timberlake. So I grew up in a Christian family. My father was a pastor at a small Presbyterian church in Alabama. Um, my mom was a faithful mother who raised myself, my older brother and sister. She did an awesome job despite having some tough cases, especially my brother and myself. Um, I always remember understanding the gospel pretty clearly, too, which is a huge blessing. Of course, everyone develops in different ways. We all stray in different ways, too. Yeah, I'm blessed that from a young age, I truly believed the gospel. I was also homeschooled, had a good family life, went through the rebellious teenage slash high schooler phase, and God was with me through it all. And then it was time for me to go to college. So as I thought through where I wanted to go, I knew I didn't want to go to Christian college. I'd been homeschooled under Christian teachers and a Christian curriculum. I knew what a biblical worldview was. I didn't feel the need to continue education from that perspective. I thought that I understood what it meant to do that. In fact, I wanted to expose myself to secular academia so I could be more relevant to my unbelieving friends and more in touch with general culture. And also, just to note again, I was a member of the PCA, the Presbyterian Church. So how in the world did I end up at Liberty University and Timberlake Baptist Church? <laughs> Man plans his ways, but the Lord is the one who directs his steps. My freshman year of college, I went to the University of Alabama in Huntsville. I planned on doing my full four years there, but the Lord used an interesting vessel to bring me to Liberty and eventually Timberlake. My freshman year, I was actually dating a girl from Huntsville, and she came to Liberty. And through talking with her and visiting a couple of times, I began to see truly just how valuable Liberty University is. And that, coupled with some of the not-so-good things of secular academia and secular campus life, led me to look into transferring. But I also didn't want to be the guy who follows his girlfriend across the country when they're not in a committed relationship yet. And so I was hesitant to commit to even coming to Liberty because of that. But by God's sovereign plan, she and I both agreed to break up before I came here. And God provided many other ways to make it clear that it was a good and wise decision for me to transfer. So that's how I came to Liberty. But then I had another problem. I didn't have a car of my own. And this wasn't a big enough issue to keep me from coming to Liberty and commit to that. But it was big enough to be of concern to myself and my parents. And I remember we would pray often to God about this issue. God, I answered our prayers that summer. And at the time, I was working for a man who had an old Honda Accord. And long story short, due to a series of unfortunate events, he had attempted to paint his car and failed. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> and so after he had invested more than $1,000 into the paint and everything in the clear coat, and then hundreds of hours of sanding it, painting it, then having to sand it down again, which takes forever, he was just very frustrated. He'd tell me he'd try to start sanding on it, and he would just get mad in like 20 minutes. And so at this point, he just wanted to get rid of it and just like have it out of his life. He... We were in the same church. He was very gracious, and he knew that I needed a car to go to Liberty. And so he said to me, hey, if you want to try painting it, you can have it. And so I had never used a paint gun in my life, much less primed and painted and clear-coated a car. So I said yes. <laughs> um, and I was pretty successful, relatively. Um, primer went on <laughs> great. And then... So, primer went on great, paint went on somewhat great, <laughs> and then after that, I didn't bother with the clear coat. And so, you all have heard about the watermelon, or Rich references the green weenie, so that's how that happened. <laughs> and 
the reason I share that is just because it was such a huge blessing to me at the time um, to have that given to me by this man. I remember praying distinctly that God would allow me to use that car to bring people to church or bring people to other activities that they didn't have a car to go to on their own. And that's something that I've been able to do here as part of, in a way, just ministry at Boundless. That's been super sweet to just invite as many people as I can and drive them at any opportunity that I have. Um, so that's just a sweet little thing that allowed me to come to Liberty and has just been a blessing here at Boundless as well. So came to Lynchburg to go to school at Liberty. And once I was here, I needed to find a church. So church hopping, we've all been there. You come to a new place to live, maybe do a little bit of research beforehand. But as a whole, you don't know anyone or any of the churches in the area. And you just start going as you hear about different churches that you think um, you might want to become a member in. So I think I went to around six or seven churches before I found Timberlake. My primary focus was looking for a church that was rooted in the word, that had a commembered member base that was not just college students and leadership who were invested in their flock. And I also wanted to go to a Baptist church instead of a Presbyterian church because I had been thinking through infant baptism and questioning that doctrine for about a year and knew that if I stayed in the Presbyterian church, I would only hear their perspective on both of those doctrines of infant baptism and believer's baptism. So I wanted to spend at least some measure of time in a Baptist church to kind of not only understand doctrinally what believer's baptism is, but also to like taste and see um, the implications of that. And so that's why I wanted to go to a Baptist church and specifically committed to like a year of not going to Presbyterian church. And I was going to kind of reevaluate at the end of that. So that's why I was looking for a Baptist church. And I went to about six or seven churches before I found Timber Lake. Um, my friend, Zach Warren, is the one who invited me. So shout out to Zach. And I remember coming to on my first Sunday. I came to Sunday school first, and Clay was going through Ephesians. And I was so pleased with how Bible-centered the teaching was, even in just Sunday school. It was especially cool to see how it's like the college students pretty much had their own like Sunday morning service and the way it's set up. I just loved that. Um, and then Zach introduced me to Clay. I was expecting to just shake his hand and exchange pleasantries, only had Clay invite myself and my roommate at the time, Anthony, to his place for lunch. And that really stood out to me. I was like, absolutely thrilled to see that the leadership were actually willing to get to know the people that they were leading. They weren't just up there to preach. They weren't just up there to be available if somebody wanted to have a conversation but they were willing to actively invite their flock into their lives to be able to shepherd them well. And then going to main service, I was also very pleased to see that the college ministry did not make up the majority of the church, that Timberlake was a strong church without just the college ministry, um, and that the teaching there was rock solid as well. And amidst all of this, I was so welcomed. There were people who noticed I was new. They noticed myself and Anthony, and they walked up, and they just welcomed us and introduced us to new people and let us know that Timberlake was a place that we could find a home in. And so... I remember being so thankful to have finally found a good church after looking around for two or three months that semester. I knew that no matter what happens with like the doctrinal thing or anything, that Timberlake Baptist was a good church. I was going to be here for a while. So I ended up at Timberlake as a sophomore at the end of 2019 in that fall semester. One of the first revolutionary things I learned at Timberlake was how Christ designed the church. As you know, he designed it as a body. I originally thought that my walk with God was primarily focused on myself. And I thought that was the case with everyone else around me, too. So I didn't have a concept of ministering solely to the people in a local church that I was committed to. It was just whoever the Lord would put in my path. I was like, okay, like maybe I can disciple this guy. And thinking through who are the people that should be my main support in my walk with the Lord. Because, again, just anybody who the Lord brought into my path. And so there are some exciting things about that and being able to just connect with so many different people from different walks of life. 
but there's a lot of challenges in that, in that friendships change and fluctuate pretty quickly, especially in college, and not having a solid church base oftentimes left me floundering, um, and without like the support, that would have been good just to have as a Christian, but also not having a focus in who to invest in. I remember sometimes just like reaching out to different guys, and in many ways it was just fruitless because we were coming from such different perspectives that there wasn't a lot of commonality, even as Christians at times, to be able to really exhort one another. And so seeing that the church is about everyone together, united under Christ, helped me see that I'm just a small part of the body. Like, my walk with God is not actually the most important thing, like, in my life, but the church is the most important thing in all of our lives, and we need to be committing to building up one another, not just concerned primarily with ourselves. What really impressed on my heart with this was understanding that there's clarity about the church's function and structure, especially in Ephesians, and especially chapter 4 of Ephesians. I won't rearticulate all of it. I know you hear about it a lot and probably understand it better than I do in many ways. What really stood out to me was the potential each member has as a member of the body. And likewise, the body to each member, both good and bad. If you imagine your own body, when one part is not used, it atrophies and grows weak. If a part is injured, then its own functions and the functions of other parts of the body are hindered. And so looking at my own life, I realized that I was a member of a healthy body who was growing strong and more skilled with the gifts I've been given, and was exercising them humbly in submission to Christ for Christ's glory and the good of the church, then God would use me to build up the body. I could have confidence in that because it was rooted in God's word. So no longer was seeking to encourage guys in their walk with the Lord, some abstract thing that I was just trying to do on my own with whoever I could come in contact with. Now I had clarity about how God designed the church to grow. And if I just aligned myself with that, he promised that fruit would come. But likewise, on the other hand, being a member of the body who is not exercising their gifts and who is not growing is not a source of the growth for the body. On the contrary, they are a dead weight that hinders the body's growth, or even weights that are exercising their gifts, but not for God's glory or the good of the church. This is even more sobering, as these are the people who can cause intense troubles for their church. As I began to understand the potential impact that I personally had on the church, that we all have on the church, I was joyfully sobered. Yes, I can make a mess of things, and probably will in many ways, and you'll have to forgive me and rebuke me and lead me in Christ. But at the same time, as long as I'm connected to a healthy body of people like you, and regularly exercising my gifts for the Lord, I will be all right, and the church will grow. On top of all this, there are also warnings that are present in Ephesians 4 about not functioning as a healthy church, things like being blown to and fro by every wind of doctrine, being vulnerable to human cunning and the craftiness of the deceitful, devil's deceitful schemes. So I began to see that as my friends who were not involved in a local healthy church, they were vulnerable to these things, and they were falling left and right. So I began sharing with everyone I could about the blessings of being a dedicated member of a local church so that they could experience the blessings of living according to God's design. It became just one of my favorite questions to ask people at Liberty. was like, oh, where do you go to church? Why do you go there? Why does that matter? And then what do you think the Lord's prescribed for you to be in a local church? And what matters to God in looking at a local church? And just seeing them start processing those things. I'm like, oh, well, then where do you go to church? And I get to tell them about the blessings of Timberlake. And it's just been super fun. Um, so it's been really sweet seeing that change and seeing that change in other guys um, that I interact with as well. And so this individual responsibility that I have to the local church and the potential impact that I can have to either be part of its growth or impact to be part of the lack of its growth was pressed further into my heart during COVID. Um, that was sophomore year. It ended um, the semester pretty quickly. And so I'd only been going to Timberlake for like three, 
four months at the time, and like half of that was over Christmas break, so maybe like two months. Um, but during that time, Clay, Zach, and I would video call, like I think every other week, and Clay would just ask his questions, ask us what we were struggling with, things we were processing through, and I remember that whatever we would talk about, just question after question after question would remove my ability to make excuses. And at the end of the day, I finally realized I, I am fully responsible for my sin. And that if I ever sin, it's because I want to. And that was so freeing because it finally helped me to see that there's always a way out. That truly, like 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that God has provided a way of escape from any temptation so that we may be able to endure it. Because if I'm always able to choose sin willingly, I'm not enslaved to it, then that means also I'm free to willingly choose Christ and pursue him. And so Romans 6, talking about presenting yourselves as members to God to be instruments for righteousness, was finally real and something that I believed in, had a conviction that I could walk in um, with clarity and confidence and faith in God, that he is able to give strength in any moment to honor him and glorify him. And he has given us all that we need. And this foundation has carried me very much so in the years since then and has helped so much in just talking with my friends, impressing upon them the importance of their walk with the Lord. Um, and their individual responsibility. So then I came back junior year. I remember that I became more and more thankful for my friends here compared to many of my friends at Liberty. This is primarily due to the commitment and consistency that comes from being in a local church that I talked about a little bit. My first year at Liberty was incredible, one of the most fun and sweet years of my life, but that next year, I just didn't see the same people as easily. Not only did our schedules not line up like they did that one year before, but due to the new hall life, new classes, just like another 50 to 100 people who were just added to my life. And it was simply impossible to maintain all those friendships the same way and still invest in the new people that were um, brought before me. But in church, the people that were there that first year were still there, and most of them are still here today. And these are friends I know will be here for more than just a year. I know that we are committed to one another as members of this church. And that is Christian community as God designed it. It's a local church. Not only are there people here committed to one another, there are older men and women who are also here committed to one another. I've been blessed to have many dear friends who are older men back home, and I was sad to leave them to come to college. Yet we've been blessed to be in a church in which there are many godly men and women with whom we can get to know, grow closer, and live life together through all its ups and downs. And that's something that we just don't experience at college. And so it's just such a sweet thing to be part of Timberlake, where there's so many older men and women who are committed to the growth of the college students here and don't want us to just be in our little bubble but want us to truly have examples of mature disciples in Christ. Also, in this junior year, I began to see a lot of selfish ambition and pride in my life. And as I began to tackle these things, I would just become like confused and entangled in my own thoughts and desires. I would just try to cut off like one fruit of this sin and then see like three grow back like even faster than the first. And that was because I was focusing on like the fruit of pride and not on the root of it. And so even if my battling of sin, I was becoming self-reliant. It's like, oh, man, I'm seeing these prideful patterns in my thoughts. So it was like, try harder, JoJo. Like, you can do it. And like, put those thoughts to death. And then I was like, oh, man, why is this working? And it's like, well, I was relying on myself. Um, and so even the things I had learned about taking responsibility for my sin had become twisted as I found victory in those things and thought that like, I had figured out how to fight sin and then could do it on my own since I had like, the secret formula. And so amidst this time, I didn't see that. I remember asking God to, to humble me, and he did. I entered that junior year, fall semester, confident in so many things. I remember walking to falling spring, feeling in many ways academically incapable, 
in a social fog, challenged physically in ways I never had been before, and also feeling spiritually immature. Somehow I deceived myself into thinking before I was someone special, and then God was gently showing me just how ordinary I am. And I didn't like it. I remember being so anxious and distraught over various things that were happening that semester that I couldn't sleep. I would stay up late into the night reading psalms to set my heart on him. But even then, it was still a battle. But God was so gracious, and he was so gracious to allow me to be part of Timberlake during that season. I remember in Boundless, we had ended that fall semester and begun the spring talking about the fear of man, which is a core facet of the pride that I was dealing with. I just didn't realize. And so the way the Lord used that in that season to like enlighten myself about my heart and how I interact with other people was huge. And in that spring, I was able to go to the Courageous Churchman Conference, which is a gathering of pastors, seminary students, and aspiring pastors. And spending time with so many faithful men was incredible, particularly the fact that they were worthy of honor and respect, but they didn't care. They were there to serve the Lord, and they were there to serve the church, and that was their priority. And so even these men, who in many ways are special, it didn't matter to them. They were committed entirely to the Lord. So that was a huge example to me in that time. And then this time also, so many of you guys especially were such an encouragement to me. To name a few, like Zach, Chet, Matthew, Jared Hobbs, um, you guys were just such encouragements to me in this time, and it was just like such a blessing to be part of a church where people saw I was going through a hard time, and they were there for me, and they were there to build me up and help me through um, with my walk with Christ. And Mrs. Marsh, Brittany's mom, was also a special encouragement to me that season. Um, I would go over to their house with some other people every Tuesday night and also ended up helping her with some work on her house. And there were so many times where I would come in ready to do work, and Mrs. Marsh would just like, ask me how I was doing. And we didn't talk for like 30 minutes. Or I'd finish up work for the day, and we'd talk for like 30 minutes to an hour. And I think in that time, especially since I was feeling just emotionally low, it was very helpful to have like a mother figure, especially in the church at that time. And that's something I know that is just not at every other church. Um, And so that was a sweet, sweet encouragement. And also, in many ways, looking back, those weren't really that hard times. It was more just the Lord taking sin out of my heart, and that hurts, and that's painful, especially when we're young. It's kind of like the first time that's happening in many ways. Um, It feels really hard. But the point is that when the Lord was showing me those ugly parts of my heart, and he was sanctifying me, you were all part of that process. It wasn't me going through it on my own. And the Lord used all of those things to make it fruitful time, not just a hard time. And so I'm so thankful for each of y'all um, for being with me through that. And that spring also was the spring that I got baptized and became a member at Timberlake. So I won't go into all the details of how I came from believing infant baptism was not biblical to believing in believer's baptism. But there are a couple lessons I would share from it. So first is that people take time to truly change sometimes. Um, I'd say that I probably was believing pretty much in believer's baptism around the time that I came to Timberlake, but just wasn't quite ready to truly commit to that step. And it took a year of reading books and asking questions and having conversations and just processing it to get to the point where I could have the conviction to go against what felt right, something that I was comfortable with, had grown up with, to what I truly believed scriptures condoned. And even now, when I go back home and visit my family's church, when they have infant baptisms, I feel more comfortable and more at home than our family gatherings when we have all the baptisms here. And the way I've heard it described is that sometimes, like, adjusting our hearts to theology and, like, new doctrine is kind of like sports and golf. Sometimes you learn form a certain way, and it feels really good, but it's not right. 
And then as you start to be taught what the right form is and you adjust to it, while you do see that that's the right way to do it and you see the fruit, that it still feels off sometimes. And this was something that I didn't quite understand going in. I was a pretty black and white person when it came to like doctrine and having conversations about those sorts of things. And so if there's any encouragement to you all, like, yes, we're learning so much here at Timberlake, and that's such a sweet blessing, and we have the opportunity to go out and share those things with people on campus and in our lives. But let's just be patient and humble um, and be willing to share the truths again and again and again and just be with them through that whole process. And then second is just guard your relationship with your parents, especially if it's good right now. My parents still believe in infant baptism, and theological disagreements are things that can get ugly really fast. And I think what I learned with this is that when it's not something that's central, like the gospel, then it's okay to just let sleeping dogs lie or laying dogs lie, and you don't always have to talk about it. But even with things that are like your parents aren't saved or maybe they're, I don't know, you name it. The point is we're called to honor our parents and we're called to love our parents. And it is an admirable thing to take the extra mile to do that. And that was something that Clay really helped me through, think through a lot um, in the process as I was thinking about making that shift from infant baptism to believer's baptism. Just want to exhort all of y'all in that because I know it can be trying at times and it's easy to be impatient with your parents especially. But if there's anyone we need to be loving and patient with, it's them. So we went through the dating series um, a few months ago. And when I first came to Timberlake, I was thinking about dating, and Clay told me to listen to the dating series um, that he had taught, I don't know, a few years back sometime. Yeah. And I just want to share, like, what was so huge is just the categories for biblical manhood and womanhood have given such clarity and just understanding what it looks like to be a man as a whole. And then that just brings a lot of confidence and clarity in dating. Same thing with understanding what it looks like for women to be functioning in like the biblical categories prescribed to them. And just how to be a godly woman just makes dating easy. And so if there's any encouragement to you, I would just say just like learn to live those things out. And dating will become a lot more organic and natural without having to like think through systemizing everything and like applying all of Clay's teaching like very like nitpickly. Um, yeah, just look at those things, internalize them, and the fruit that will flow naturally from those things I think will be surprisingly easy. Um, and each time I've been in a dating relationship, the truths that Clay has shared have become just like more and more apparent. And so if you want to hear more just about like my experiences with that, I'm happy to have a conversation with those things, um, about those things as well. And so another thing I want to touch on is just hall leadership. I know it's something that sometimes it's really good, and then sometimes it's, like, not so good. And we've all had different experience with that if you've been to Liberty University. Um, I've had the privilege of being on hall leadership my entire time on 25-1, greatest hall on campus. And I think what I want to emphasize is that the things I've learned from the church have maximized my, like, potential to lead on the halls, and they've equipped me very well for that, and we're talking about evangelism right now, and hall leadership is an excellent avenue to implement the things that we're learning about evangelism, and that doesn't necessarily even have to be thinking through people who aren't saved. Right now, there's a guy in my hall who is just a very weak believer, and in so many of the ways he thinks through things, he just doesn't have categories of what that looks like. And just the whole year, we've all had conversations of me sharing truth that he hasn't ever heard or understood before to the point where he almost didn't seem like a believer. But 
he does believe the gospel, and so his heart has been sensitive to these things, and he's matured and grown significantly um, from just myself pouring into him and other guys on the hall. And so leadership gives an opportunity to have those conversations that um, other opportunities on the hall don't necessarily come from. And even that as well, there are lots of people who are on the hall who aren't saved, and so being able to set the culture for guys like that and be an example to them to just live the walk is a huge example and opportunity. Um, so I strongly encourage y'all to do leadership. If that's something you're thinking through or drawn to, it's one of those things you're like, yes, maybe you haven't experienced leadership in the best way, but leadership is going to be on campus, and so if we can be there to make it a good thing, like that's an awesome opportunity. And also just another note, it's super fun. I think one of the most fun things I've been able to do is be a CGL for two years on 25-1 and then RA this year. It's been an absolute privilege, just the opportunity to lead the guys and be crazy with all the boys and at the same time do it all to the glory of God. I think that's something that took me a long time to learn. It's like God created laughter, created us with goofy hearts and while there's a time and place for everything, like there is a place for that to be honoring and glorifying to the Lord. So at Timberlake, we can be a little serious sometimes. Um, <laughs> And so, <laughs> and so that's been something that's been really huge for me to learn, especially specifically through hall leadership. It's like, yes, leading is a great time to influence people towards Christ and the example, but it's also a great opportunity to just be a fun person where people don't have to worry about life, and they just come and rest and be with you. And there's also a theme that I noticed in a lot of the teachings that we've gone through here at Timberlake specifically boundless since I've been here. And that's the juxtaposition of fear and trusting God. And so we talked about Ephesians the first time I was here, and a lot of that was centered on the local church, being a member of the church. Oftentimes we fail to commit to the local church and dedicate ourselves to its good because we know that that means investing ourselves in it. That means loving people. We also know that nobody here is perfect. And so if we do that, we are going to get hurt. And so we fear. We fear giving up our time we fear giving up our lives, you name it. But when we trust God, we know that this is what he has designed for us, and this is the way of life that he would have us walk in, and that he'll bless us, um, even through the sufferings, through that. And so trusting God frees us to engage in the local church. We talked about dating. So many times we don't date because we're scared of rejection. There's the fear of man there. We're scared of not being in a relationship, so we're frantically looking for somebody to date like all the time. You name it, there's either side. Like, the fear is what drives so much of, like, dating poorly. But when we trust the Lord, so much wisdom and contentment that comes from that, it just becomes, in many ways, like, simple and more easy than we would think. We also talked explicitly about the fear of man. And the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And I could go on, but I think what I'm walking away with in many ways is just how important and central it is just to trust God. And if there's anything that we need to be focusing on with everything that we're learning and applying just in our daily Christian walks, can be brought into that category of trusting God. And I also wanted to share some of the regrets that I have. And pretty much the only ones that I have is the days I fail to spend intimate time with God. I understand that life happens, and sometimes things with God, just we don't have time for. Life is unexpected at times, and things can crowd that out. But there were times where I was irresponsible and I chose to stay up super late having fun with the guys and then the next morning slept in and didn't devote myself to serving the Lord and spending time with him 
and just cultivating abiding with him in those mornings. And at the end of those weeks where I spent less time with God, that was always my biggest regret. You know, whenever I would go to bed early, not stay up late with the guys, or be more responsible and get that assignment done, then I never regretted missing out on those things. And so if there's any encouragement to you, I know FOMO is a big thing for a lot of us in college, and you're never going to miss out if you're dedicating yourself to the Lord and you're putting him first. Um, and looking back on your college career or any season of life, if that's your priority, then it will be a sweet, sweet season for sure. And then with that also, is if not dedicating myself to growing in prayer more. I remember junior year, one of my friends asked me, like, Joseph, like, what do you truly believe about prayer? Not what do you know, but what do you truly believe? And then he followed up with, what does the Bible have us believe about prayer? And it became so clear to me in that moment that if I truly believed or understood and believed everything the Bible says about prayer, I would absolutely devote myself to praying regularly and committing myself to pray for those around me and just really everything, you know, taking it to the Lord, our Heavenly Father, who is almighty, infinite, eternal, loving, loves to give good things to those who ask him, and just loves spending time with us, loves hearing our praises, loves hearing us weak children rely on him, the almighty, powerful God, then I would just do that so much, so often, so frequently. And those are things that I still am learning to articulate to myself and think through and preach to myself. Um, But I look at some guys on the hall especially since I get to live with them, I get to see how they live their lives. And some of them are absolutely devoted to prayer, spending hours um, a day at times just on their knees before the Lord. And even though some of them are very young, 17, 18, the fruit that comes from those things in their lives and the fruit that comes from the things that they pray about is absolutely enormous. And so that's something that I would love to have grown more in my time at college, and I'm hoping to dedicate myself to that even more so in the future. But here I am, graduating undergrad, about to start grad school in the fall. I'm still a mess in process in so many ways. But I know that I don't direct my steps, and I know I will make many mistakes. But as long as I'm trusting God, committing everything to him, pursuing him with a repentant heart, even when I fall, he will love me and be with me, and he will make my path straight, whatever path that may be. At the end of the day, I'm just another sinner who's been washed by Christ, made into a new creation, has been placed here in Lynchburg, Virginia, in Timberlake Baptist Church, to simply walk with God and glorify him in all that I do until Christ returns. And that's why I want to keep at the center of everything. It's the gospel. A few weeks ago at RA Group, we watched the American gospel and focusing how on so much of our culture and even like our churches have just missed it. They missed the most important thing, and that there is a God who has given himself, sacrificed himself, taken the payment that we deserve, his eternal wrath, that we might live with him, walk with him, and love him and experience his love. And looking back, that's the center of everything. And that's what I want to hold on to moving forward more than anything else. And so I'm just so thankful for that gospel, so thankful for the Lord and how he has been gracious to me and truly just led a wandering sheep to himself. So it's been a blessing to share this all with you all. I pray that you all are encouraged with it. So thank you all. Thanks, Jojo. That was sweet, huh? Good to hear. Always good to hear about the fruit the Lord is producing uh, among you guys. And when it gets to the end of the semester, 
Um, I always go into kind of reflection mode. I don't know if you guys do that. I'm still in the college time zones, even though I'm, a, you know, I'm out of college now. I'm in you know, fall and spring semesters. I divide everything into thirds, you know, semester, semester, summer. Um, so I definitely reflect as well. And um, I remember uh, that, first, that first time that we connected uh, at my house. And um, did you have the hair then? No? <laughs> you had the what? Anthony did. Anthony had the cut. Is Anthony in here today? No, okay. Yeah, Anthony had the hair. You didn't, but yeah, we just a sweet, sweet time. So many, so many of you we've connected with over the years, and that's just been such a such a sweet blessing. Um, those times are special. I'll always remember those. I think we talked about Calvinism and infant baptism for like three hours that day. That's not normal. So um, if you've never been to my house, come on over. We'll do that. But no, it was, it was sweet. Thanks for sharing that, JoJo. And uh, I just want to end, we've only got a few minutes left here, but uh, like I said, I go into kind of reflection mode at the end of, end of the year, and um, I think about kind of, as I was thinking today, it's just sort of the categories, I was kind of organizing my, my reflections into some categories, I was thinking like reflecting corporately, like what all has the Lord taught us corporately as we've been here, and just kind of think back, okay, think back over the year, in the fall, just start, start in the fall. So we began a series in First John on Thursday nights. Took us how long? Nine months to finish that. Um, but yeah, we began that, and that was a, just a sweet study. We studied the gospel at the same time on Sunday mornings. So that was ten weeks, um, intended four, and so we, we uh, spread that out a little bit. But that was a, a sweet time. Many of you guys went to Devoted Conference with us. We had a great time there. Uh, Rich led us in a series on the tongue, godly speech. January, uh, we covered the infamous dating series, like JoJo reminded us. Many of you are still hoping for fruit from that. I thought, hey, that might be a good blurb in the dating, the dating series, like, like front cover, JoJo. You know, if you, if you listen to this, if you implement the principles, dating will be easy. I mean, you, you heard him say it, right? People are like, oh, I don't know. I'm not convinced. So, yeah, we, we worked through that. Um, Rich just finished a, a series on biblical decision-making. And we're almost done with our series on evangelism. So it's just, it's crazy to look back and think through all that we've covered in one year. And that's not even to say the um, Sunday morning's sermon series in Daniel and in Romans now. Uh, any equipping classes you guys have been involved in. So just a lot, a lot of truth to be exposed to over, you know, a period of time. And uh, we know that teaching is important. But as important as it is, as we heard from Jojo, it's only one slice of the pie. It's foundational. We've got relationships, and so I think, okay, we've grown corporately in the teaching, but we've also grown relationally this year, and um, we've learned so much from each other. We've learned so much from our friendships, our times together, coffees, Sunday lunches, early morning breakfasts, you know, whatever we all do together. Um, The Lord's truly blessed us with just a rich body life uh, this year, and that's one of the things that I just rejoice in. And then if we, you know, press this down into the individual uh, I'm sure there's just countless things that the Lord has taught each one of you this year. You could all come up here and give, uh, give a similar testimony of how the Lord has worked in your lives. And, um, and again, I was just thinking back through just on me. I kind of get the front row seat to some of you. And uh, some of you came to faith in Christ this year. Um, entered the kingdom of God this year. 
at some point in the year. And that is an answer to our prayers. We pray that God would save his people. Um, And some of you, even if you weren't saved this year, many of you were baptized uh, this year, and that has been a thrill and encouragement. Many of you have have experienced growth in areas of besetting sin as we've kind of come around you and helped you. That's also an answer to our prayers. I've watched you do the hard work of, of trusting Christ, taking thoughts captive, renewing your mind, putting sin to death, learning to imitate the Lord by faith. That's hard stuff. And it thrills me to see uh, the Holy Spirit working in your lives in those ways, and we've seen it. And sort of the crown jewel is uh, just we've seen your love for the saints grow this year. Um, it's so sweet. You've served us so well. You've served Timberlake so well this year. You guys are always jumping at the needs that we put before you. You know, we throw an event at you, and then bam, it's, it's there. You guys are there to, to serve. Um, we need something picked up, cleaned up, work day. Uh, it's, it's funny because your reputation's growing in the church, and, um, and I was, I'm always proud of you guys, okay? Always proud, Rich and I, kind of that sort of paternal, like, yes, we love, we love Malness. Um, but there was one moment in particular this year that you guys kind of blew me away. We were sitting in an elders meeting, and we were deliberating on, like, how do we get more people in the 8 a.m. service? And, because it is, it is weak, you know, in the, in the 8 a.m. service. It's early. Uh, our 1030s is packed, and so I kind of looked over at Rich, and I was like, well, what do you think? Can we just, like, throw it out there? And, and I would have to admit, I was skeptical of asking you guys to go to the 8 a.m. I mean, that's, like, otherworldly for a college student to get up at 7 on Sunday and come to church. But, like, the next week, is like half you guys were there. And uh, it was so funny because everyone was shocked, including me. Um, I had so many people coming up to me like, how did you get all these people? I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> they, just, they just came. So that's not to make you feel bad if you didn't come, but you get, you've got next semester, okay? You can, <laughs> we're working on that to try, to try to make that start date on the first service later. So um, hopefully in the fall. But yeah, so that, that, was a, that was kind of a fun moment that I remember from this year that really just blessed us. I mean, because you serve so many people. Our church has grown as a result of that. Um, that little effort to free up more space in that 1030 service. And so I'm sure that any one of you could get up here and you could share what the Lord's taught you this year. And that would be a great three-day conference. But uh, we won't do that today. But we're going to eat together. And so I want you to be thinking about what the Lord's taught you this year. Okay, use Jojo. He primed the pump, didn't he? You know, to be thinking about your own life for what the Lord has taught you. So be thinking through that, and when we get to lunch afterwards, um, make it a point to ask each other about what the Lord is doing, what, he's, what has he taught you this year. Kind of go into reflection mode or, or around the lunch table and share some of those things. Because the Lord gets glory when we trace out how he's worked in the specific fruit, the specific answer to prayers. Um, and if someone's been involved in your life, one of your friends, one of your mentors here in Boundless, somebody in the church, and you can see him today... Um, just pull them aside. Tell them how the Lord's worked in your life through their influence. And uh, just be a huge encouragement to them. And so in it all, it's, it's God himself who has been at work in us and among us this year. It's not because of Rich. It's not because of Clay. It's not because of your friend. It's God. It, it, I mean, yes, he uses means, but it's God who is working in and through us as we minister together. And so when we celebrate the grads, when we celebrate the year, it all points to Christ. 
Like it all redounds to him and his glory um, this year. And so we have nothing without him, and yet we have everything with him. And so as we head out of here, um, my heart's full. I'm sure yours is too. Just rejoice in the Lord. And I just I want to end by reading the opening of Colossians 1. It really just captures um, my heart at the end of this semester. You can listen along. He says in verse 3, Colossians 1, 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus, and we've seen that, I see that, your faith in Christ, and the love that you have for all the saints. We've seen that too. And that's produced because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. We'll skip down to verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Let's pray.